Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. So we're going to start out this morning talking a little bit about 2020. So I've got a few graphics to explain what 2020 has been like for us. There we go. If 2020 was a slide, boom, crash. Okay, what about the next one, Hannah? If American Girl were to release their 2020 doll of the year, this is what I envision, homeschool Heather. This is for all the moms who have suddenly become homeschoolers. And I feel your pain because I homeschooled my children, so I know what it's like. Okay, the next one. The official mug of 2020, it says, you got this. And the handle broke off. (laughs) Tough year. Okay, what's next, Miss Hannah? If 2020 was a boat, it's called No Worries. There it went. Is there one more, Hannah? If 2020 was a door, walk through the door and go down the steps. Is that the last one, sweetie? Yeah, that's the last one. 2020, 2020, how would we explain this year to our descendants? You know, in 2050, how would we explain 2020? Was it the year that we endured, that we survived, that we came through with flying colors? Was it the year that we, some of us, suffered in silence or felt despair? What I have for you today is a word of encouragement. There are a lot of times I'll tell my mama, I'm going to step on your toes tomorrow. But this week I told her, I'm not stepping on toes this week. I am bringing a word of encouragement to you. So just relax, take a deep breath. There are going to be some things where I hope to make you go, hmm, I want to make you question your theology just a little bit. There is one warning that I'm going to have for you. But 90% is to encourage you that these things that we are enduring through 2020 are, in fact, for our benefit. They're for our benefit. Now, for me, I'm just going to come clean, and I'll be honest. Since I started preaching more, I've become less transparent because when you're a leader, you want to look like a leader. You want to teach with authority. You don't want to let people know the tears that you've shed at home. But I'll just be honest, the last probably six weeks have been really hard for me. There have been many times that I have not been kind to my husband. (laughs) I told Gregory when we went, we went up to the mountains for Thanksgiving, and I was telling Gregory later, I was like, you've heard Brian and me, your dad and me argue more this week than our whole 25-year marriage. Like in one week. And when we've talked about it, you know, what is it? What's made me suddenly like homeschool Heather and um, Raymond from Everybody Loves Raymond? What's caused sweet little church lady Lisa to be an angry bear? COVID. I mean, look at what we're walking through. I can't go to Belk and go in the dressing room and try on an outfit anymore. Tough. (laughs) Tough. It's actually been good. It's broken my shopping addiction. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, it has broken my shopping addiction. Hallelujah. But I didn't get to see my dad's family at Thanksgiving. It's hard. I'm not going to open presents with my mother at Christmas. 
this is hard stuff we're walking through. And what is the fruit of it? Sometimes it's going to be anger. It's going to be frustration. It's going to be sadness and grief. It might be despair. I know for many that I've spoken to, the isolation leads to loneliness, which leads to depression. People are struggling with depression. And I'll be honest, um, I've even had some suicidal thoughts in the last month. And I haven't had that in a long time. And I feel it, and I'm like, what is that? Why is that there? It's a tough time that we're all walking through. And, and it's not just COVID. It's worries over our family members that are struggling. Could, you could be going through a medical crisis yourself, loss of jobs, finances. I'm not even going to touch politics. But it's been a tough year. And that's why God has for you today a word of encouragement. A word of encouragement because you need it. I need it. It's been hard. So what I want to just give us the big picture as I've, as I've been taking seminary courses, it's broadened my understanding of the big purpose in the Bible. So I just simplified a few things. I just took a step back. Okay, God, what are just the basic things your word is saying to us? Um, the first line on your handout, the goal of the Christian life is to know and love God. Relationship. He said, I will be your God. You will be my people. He wanted to meet with them at the door of the tent of meeting. Relationship. Paul said, I want to know him. The goal of the Christian life, one, relationship. And as we grow in that relationship and we compare ourselves to a holy father and we desire to approach him with clean, clean hands and a pure heart, he makes us like Jesus, his son, that's called, it's a big word, it's called sanctification. I'm sorry I don't have slides, but S-A-N-T-I-F-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. Sanctification, see? Sanctification. Sanctification. That's as we go through life, it means to be set apart. It means to be holy. So we are all in that process of A to Z. Some of you are just starting out. Some of you, like Miss Marion, have been walking with Jesus a long time. Most of us are in the middle saying, help me, Jesus, because it's, it's a process. But there's a purpose. A lot of times when you're reading scriptures, it says, do this so that. Why? Why do we have relationship? Why are we in the process of sanctification? There's a purpose. It's not just so we can enjoy worship or go to great Christmas parties, or hug our friends, or have this great crowd of people that believes like we do. There's a purpose. One, so that we can share the good news. We want to share the good news. That's the reason we have relationship and we being set apart, so we can share the good news. That's the purpose. Jesus said, go and make disciples. So that last blank, this is the purpose. Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, all nations, okay? The big picture, okay? Relationship, so we can be sanctified, so we can go and make disciples. For me, that's kind of just a, a big overview. So last week in Pastor Tom's sermon, he spoke about how your choices affect your character, your choices affect and shape your character, which affects your anointing. 
Now, if you choose, let's say, for example, that a worship leader chose last night to look at pornography, do you think they would be anointed today to lead worship? Probably not. Because our choices affect our character, which draws Holy Spirit to us so that he can anoint us and use us for his purpose. Purpose. God said he wanted to bless all the nations through Israel. That's us now. We've been grafted in. God wants to use us to bless the nations. But he has to shape our character. Our choices shape our character. But today I'm going to present to you how your trials, your financial struggles, COVID, isolation, anxiety, depression, family drama, children who are addicted, your struggles, the things people know or they don't know. Nobody knew I was struggling with suicidal thoughts. I wouldn't even say it, not even to my husband. But the, tr the struggles, the trials that you are experiencing right now, there's a purpose for them. Guess what they're doing? They're affecting your character. And guess what that does? It affects your anointing. So the trials you are walking through, according to the scriptures, are going to shape your character and make you like Jesus. And then... God can say, oh, that one's heart is fully committed to me. Let me strengthen them and use them to change the world, to transform their environment, to speak the word. So your trials also affect your character. I think that's good news. It's not fun, but it's good news. So turn with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. I love this. Okay. Verse 1. James, a bondservant. Oh, it just went away. Come back. Come back. There it is. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. All right, here comes the hard part. Are you ready? I'm reading in the New American Standard. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So we're going to break this verse down a little bit. Um, I have it right here in the Greek, but I'm not going to use my southern twang and read some Greek to you. But I am much better than I used to be. I just completed Greek 1 and I start Greek 2 ne next semester. James 1, verse 2, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. So on your handout, I have this Greek word that's for trials. It means to test, to scrutinize, to examine, to prove, to figure out what something is made of. I brought a few, a few pieces of my grandmother's jewelry, and she had a lot of costume jewelry, and both grandmothers, whatever was left. I was like, I want it. 
I'll do something with it. I've made plates with costume earrings on them. But I have some jewelry that I don't know if it's gold or not. I don't know. How does a jeweler determine if something is gold? There are things called the stone test. There's the acid test. There's x-ray phosphorescence. There's all kinds of things that jewelers use to figure out what they are. But if you were that piece of gold, do you think you would enjoy the acid? <laughs> the x-ray phosphorescence might not be that bad, but the stone test, to scrape it on something and see what kind of mark it leaves. But that is what this testing does. It figures out what it's made of. When you go through a trial, what are you made of? What are you made of? There have been times, there's one trial that I went through, and I call it the dark night of my soul. Because it was a time when I had severe tailbone pain. We had been at church. We had had communion. I poured out my heart to Jesus. I prayed at the altar. We went home and got in a wreck. And I had excruciating tailbone pain. And I remember just standing right over there saying, God, if this is what love is, I don't want anything to do with it. I went through a time where I was this close from just saying, God, I'm done with you. I was angry. I went through the dark night of my soul where I had to decide that God was good or he wasn't. And I remember when I came through, I mean, there were times that over there during worship, they would say, stand up and raise your hands, and, and I, would just, I would just be on the floor because that was my sacrifice, just being in church was all I could do was just be here. That was my sacrifice of praise was just, I came. Didn't want to come, I came. But when I went through that dark night of the soul, it showed what my faith was made of. My faith is made of something that says God is good when everything looks bad. And when I came through, I remember going in for physical therapy, which was excruciating. I remember the receptionist saying, you look different. You look different. I had gone through. I had made it through. There have been other times I haven't known if I was going to make it through. And there are times for you when things happen and we don't understand the why and it looks horrible and we wonder, God, is this what your character is like? Is this what a good father looks like? And there are people who will go through the test and make it through and keep their faith. And there are people that are just going to walk away and say, God, I'm done with you. And that's when we hear about people that used to lay hands at the altar at Global River and then they die of a drug overdose. And we wonder, what happened? It was that in the trial, they didn't endure. And we're going to talk about endurance. These trials that we're going through, they give us the ability to endure. Because when you go through that one dark night of the soul, when the next trial comes, you say, okay, God, I learned about who you were during that trial. I know how you've changed me and given me a new faith. I know how you've strengthened me so that I can hold on. It's these trials that keep us loving Jesus, that keep us loving Jesus, that keep us declaring his goodness. Now, the big question, and, and I'm, I'm not going to give you the answer to this. I'm just going to offer some options because it's complicated. What is the source of trials? 
where do these struggles come from? Where do they come from? Last week, Pastor Tom spoke about how our bad choices can cause trials. If you go out and spend your paycheck on the lottery and then you can't pay your mortgage, you probably caused that trial. You did something that was stupid. It was stupid. Yeah, I'm preaching now. Step on some toes. It's stupid. You, call, you can't say, well, the devil stole my paycheck. No, you did. You did. Now, the devil can tempt you and draw you into an addiction to gambling that leads you to do that. So trials can come from the enemy. Trials can come from your choices. Sometimes I think this fallen world that we live in that has weeds and mosquitoes and I don't know, bees, all these things, it's hard. I was going to say bears, but I know Pastor Tom likes to hunt bears. So Anyway, there are things around us that are just part of the fallen world. In the Garden of Eden, there were no weeds and no mosquitoes. It was perfection. But now we have all these things like, like roaches and stuff. You know, we, we live in a fallen world, and I think that can be the source of some of our trials. When I used to be terrified of bees, I had to call Brian home from work one day because there was a bee in my house, and I was like hiding in the bedroom. But um, I'm over that now. Praise the Lord. I've been delivered. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I'm in my garden. Bees everywhere. I'm good. But can trials ever come from God? Can trials ever come from God? I'm going to give you some scriptures and let you decide what you think. Because I know Bill Johnson will talk about, you know, does this have the fingerprints of God? Does this look like God? It's complicated. It's complicated. Um, Job 1 verse 8, when Satan came up to heaven, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Like he pointed it out. Look at this guy. <laughs> Look at him. For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God, turning away from evil. Job's choices didn't necessarily invite the trial. God pointed him out. No, Job didn't do it all right during the trial. But God pointed him out and said, hey, this guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could say, well, that's Old Testament. Well, let's look in the New Testament, Hebrews 12, 7. And this is from the Holman version. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? So suffering can be discipline. And we talk about sometimes how we, we go through a trial and we fail. And then God has to take us around the mountain again. He's training us. He's training us. I tell you, probably the biggest training that I go through is, is when my son gets sick. That's another time when it's the dark night of my soul because I get so angry and upset because I'm heartbroken. And the last time I went through, it was about four years ago, and, and I made it through. But sometimes I wonder when the next big trial comes, am I going to make it through? Because it's discipline. God says, endure it. God is dealing with you. But each time he's training me and teaching me about who he is and who I am and what he does and what my responsibility is, 
and I'm learning. First Peter 4, 12. <laughs> I love this. So concerning trials, I found two commands in the New Testament. One, consider it all joy. And the second one was, don't be surprised. Consider it all joy. You can take this word, um, purasmos, or no, yeah, trials. In the Greek, you can look and see how many times does it appear. You can look at each verse. Two commands, consider it all joy, don't be surprised. Beloved, verse 12, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing. As though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Woo! Keep on rejoicing. So that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. So I don't have the answers of where certain trials come from, where COVID came from, where the addiction in your family came from, where the financial losses came from. I don't know the answers of their source, but I do know what God says to do when they happen. Don't be surprised. And then James 1, 2, this is on your handout, consider it all joy. The NIV says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. The New Living says, when, trial, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. New King James says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now for me, when I think about an opportunity for rejoicing, I think about when Pat Bradford passes me a piece of Dove dark chocolate during church. That's an opportunity for rejoicing. Or when an Ulta coupon comes in the mail. Or when I get like a 98 on my Greek final exam. That was an opportunity for rejoicing. I studied a whole lot for that. When I get, if I get to see my mom at Christmas, that's an opportunity for rejoicing. But when you lose your job, that's not an opportunity for rejoicing. When someone blesses you out on social media, that doesn't seem like an opportunity for rejoicing. But when the trial comes, the biblical response is to consider it all joy, to rejoice. And I've been trying to do this. Um, for example, I took my niece, Lindsay, to get her wisdom teeth out in Kinston. So I've driven to Kinston and back three times in about the last three weeks. And after she had her wisdom teeth out, she's, you know, in the car, zonked out from anesthesia, and we get behind a combine. On, on 11, a combine, which is going very slow. And instead of getting angry, I said, okay, God, I thank you for the opportunity for seeing the beautiful farmland a little longer. I had more time to see the beautiful farms and the sunrise and the barns and the cute houses. I just thank God, thank you that I've, you've given me more time to do this. Part of rejoicing is gratefulness, is being thankful. Thank you, God, that you love me enough that you trust me to walk through this in the right way, in the right manner. Thank you, God, for the trial. What, but why? I love this. Why do we count it all joy? He gives us the reason. James 1, 3, it's on your handout. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. 
Okay, so it's the testing that produces this endurance that's going to keep us in our place no matter what tidal wave or tsunami comes our way. Because we're going to be rooted in faith because the perseverance comes from the trials that we endure. The trials that you endure today give you the perseverance for tomorrow and the anointing that you walk in every day. Come from those stinking trials. That's where it comes. That's a source of character. This testing that produces endurance, this endurance, different versions use different words. I like perseverance. This perseverance doesn't come from really scripturally, doesn't come from your Bible studies or coffee with your pastor or your prayer time. It comes from these trials. Trials produce endurance. I brought a little, um, I brought a little prop. I think I'm getting ahead of myself. There are things that I produce with my hands that I make. God is creative. I'm made in his image. I create. I make things. I produce things. These little note cards, and this is not an ad for my note card business, but I produced them. I made them. With my hands, I created them. I stamped them. A lot of glitter going on here. Um, I made them. And in the same way, the trials make the perseverance. They produce. In the Greek, it's katergazomai. It means to make something. That's a little later on your handout. But it's fun. So what do you have to do during the trial? I'm going to just tell you. You ready? Okay. Grab hold and just hold on. That's what the word perseverance means in the Greek. It means to stay in place, to not recede, to not settle, to not give up. It just means to hold on, to stay in place. Pastor Willie taught a few weeks ago, God has a plan. You have faith, you trust God, but mostly you just hold on. Just hold on. And as you hold on, it's while you're holding on that God's going to be shaping your character. That's going to give you, it's actually the, the holding on that even produces more holding on. You just hold on. Turn with me to Romans 5. Pastor Tom concluded his sermon with this last week. I was starting to wonder if he was going to use all my verses. Romans 5, beginning with verse 3. He says, and not only this, this is Paul, but we also whew, celebrate in our tribulations. This is on your handout as well. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, love. Oh, sorry, character, proven character, hope. So we rejoice because these trials, tribulations, they produce this endurance, which produces character, which produces hope. These trials that we walk through, they are making something. They are not fruitless. Um, Christy over here has her picture, and it shows fruit. The, the trials that you go through are producing spiritual fruit in your life. Now, sometimes we don't think that's a reason for rejoicing, 
But the next time you lay hands on somebody, I remember when I walked through some of this dark night of the soul, I'd been teaching Bible studies here, and I walked through the dark night, and the next time I came and stood on this stage and spoke, later I was like, who is she? Like, where did she come from? That's not sweet little church lady, Lisa. But it was walking through the trial that produced an anointing so that I could step into a new thing and think, dang, how did she do that? I get up here and I think, who is this woman? It's like being in Costco, you know, trying to sell fresh squeezed orange juice. It's like I'm a different person. But as you walk through the trial, God changes you. And then the next time you step out in faith, Holy Spirit's going to go, bam, because you have endurance and character, and you invite the presence of Holy Spirit in your life. Because remember, it's not about you. This whole thing is not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about him dying to make a way for the whole world to know him and be blessed. That's why we're here. Relationship, so we can be sanctified, so that we can share the good news. It's not about us. It's not about us. No, God loves us, and we're precious, but we're his vessels. So as you go through the trial, it's, it's not just for you. It's so that God can change you, mold you, shape you. Yesterday, I saw this sunrise driving home from Raleigh. I know Laura posted a pretty picture on Facebook. And as I saw it, every time I would go around a turn, I would see a different facet of the sunrise. And that's what our life is like as we go through and we turn to the east and turn to the west and turn to the south. We see a different facet of who God is. He wants to make himself known to us, and we learn who he really is in the trial. When I learned that Jesus was my friend who stuck closer to the brother, was right down there on that floor in tears, feeling alone. That's where I learned it. When I learned that God is not ashamed of me, as Brenton spoke about, I've struggled with anxiety. I have felt very ashamed of being a Christian struggling with anxiety. But it was right down there on that floor that God showed me that in the, in the, you know, you think about the old stores that had the glass display windows. He showed me I was right out front. I was not in the back seat. I was not in the back of the store with all the storage. I was right out front. Hi, I'm Lisa. Christian, leader, struggling with anxiety. He was not ashamed. That's where I learned God isn't ashamed of me when I'm struggling. He knows I'm in process just like everybody else. Thank the Lord. So we see that James 1.4 and Romans 5.3, if I, if I did a chart for you, you'd see they're parallel. Testing of your faith produces endurance. Tribulations, Romans 5.3, brings about perseverance. It's that same word in the Greek. It's on your handout, kater, kater gazomai. means to bring something about. It's work that yields something. These trials produce spiritual fruit. So you're fruitful and not fruitless. If everything were going well, you wouldn't need Jesus and you'd be fruitless. But when you're struggling, <laughs> when you're struggling just to have this, a sane mind, you are holding tight to your Savior because he's your only hope. He is your only hope. There are some days I am, <laughs> Jesus, you are my only hope. 
So let's talk about this word endurance just a little bit more. Some translations call it perseverance. King James calls it patience. And I knew I was on the right track because this morning I got a blog post called um, The Christmas Gift of Endurance. And as I read it, she had the same scripture. She had the same Greek word. And it, it's called hupo, hupomone. It literally means, it's like the word Jesus used for abiding, to remain, to continue. And then it has a, um, a prefix. It means just to stay in place. That's really what it means. It's literally to abide under, to just stay underneath, to just stay, just stay, just stay. Don't think of it as patience because patience is what you need in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, right? And I don't think of it as endurance because endurance is usually what I need when I'm trying to jog and I don't make it very far. But I like the word perseverance. It's to stay the same, to be true to your faith, to not flee or recede, to not give up. It just means to stay in place. Hold on. You're going to make it through. God's going to bring you through. It's going to come to an end. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Just hold on. Just hold on. Don't give up. Don't give up. If you're in that place like me where you're at the point of, God, I am so ready to walk away from you, I just want to tell you, he's not going to let you. Because Jesus went after the one that strayed, just like we sang today, prone to wander. Oh, Lord, I am so prone to wander. But God comes after us. He loves you. He cares about you. He hurts when you hurt. He knows. He knows when you're thinking, God, would you just take me home? He knows those things. And he cares. And he loves you. He's got good plans for you. And we have all of heaven and all of eternity just to sing his praise. That's going to be the good stuff. I'm just so grateful that every day I've got more days. Never going to end. But our instruction is just hold on. Just hold on. Just hold on. Just hold on. Don't walk away. So many people in the trial, they just, they give up and they walk away from their faith. And then we read or hear about them doing so and so and we wonder how did that happen? They were so anointed, so gifted, so smart, so passionate about Jesus. It's because when the trial came, they didn't hold on. If you need help holding on, tell somebody, I need some help holding on, struggling. Let people in to your struggle. Let people in. James 1.4 so remember the beginning, our, I said the goal of the Christian life, according to Lisa's big picture, relationship and being made like Jesus. James 1, 4, this is on your handout, says, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, when I first read that verse, I thought, well, perfect. I just want to be Perfect. It doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean perfect like the perfect chocolate chip cookies or the perfect Christmas decor or the perfect red high heels to go with your outfit. 
which I really worked on this. I really worked on being there. I really wanted to wear red high heels. I don't know why, but I did. So we went through, I don't know, five or six different outfits last night. Brian, help me. But that is not what perfect means. I love this word perfect. What it means is to be brought to an end. This is on your handout. It means complete, brought to its end, finished, wanting nothing more. It says the the person who is um, teleos has attained the moral end for which he was intended. It means to be like Jesus. That's what that word means. So you may be perfect. So you can be like Jesus. I envision the bullseye. And it's hitting the mark. That's what perfect is. Remember, sin in the Hebrew is to miss the mark. To be perfect like Jesus, we're hitting the mark. Endurance. Testing of our faith brings endurance, which makes us perfect. Like Jesus. Makes us perfect. We're like we're at the end. You know, the goal is to be like Jesus, Christ-likeness. These trials bring about perseverance, which make us like Jesus. That is good news. That is good news because we remember it's not about us. It's so that we can be like Jesus to hurting people. We can be like Jesus. It's hard to be like Jesus. I've struggled being like Jesus with some family members lately. I've not had the compassion of Jesus. I have had some anger. I've had some frustration. It's hard to be like Jesus. But the trials will produce the endurance, which makes us like Jesus. It says you may be complete, perfect, sound. Um, the, The concordance says it indicates that every grace in Christ would be present. Back to Romans 3, it echoes these same things. It says tribulation brings perseverance, perseverance, character, proven character, hope. Who needs some hope? It's the trial that you're going through that's going to give you hope. That makes no sense. But it's the way of the kingdom. It's right there. It's biblical. Billy Graham would say, the Bible says. Not Lisa. The Bible says. Tribulation brings care. Tribulation brings perseverance. Perseverance. Character. Character. Hope. Romans 5. 5 says, hope does not disappoint. Hope, when you have hope that God is good, that he's going to work it out, that he loves you, that he has a plan, that hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You know, for me, how has my struggle with anxiety made me like Jesus? It has given me a load of compassion for people that struggle with mental illness. A load of compassion because I have sat in the therapist's office and that is not a fun place to sit. That is very humbling. But at the same time, I've referred two friends who really needed help to this therapist and they're getting free therapy now. My niece has had about $3,000 of free therapy with my therapist because I humbled myself to go sit in her office. And then I've referred other friends. So now people come out of the woodwork. Lisa, I need somebody to talk to. Can you refer me to your Christian therapist? It has humbled me because I want to be put together, Lisa, not sitting in the therapist's office, Lisa. And by the grace of God, I haven't seen my therapist in about six weeks. And I'm doing well. 
I'm doing well. I have so many more good days than bad days. And when the bad days come, I'm like, where did that come from? But I've, I've, I've been humbled. I have been humbled. I have compassion. And now God can use me in my place of transparency to be a relatable person that people can come to and say, I need help. Can you refer me to somebody that can help me? They can say, I can't pay for it. Can you show me how to get free therapy? I hope I'm more like Jesus. Because Jesus, when he saw, when he looked at Jerusalem, it says he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is compassionate. So I want to, I'm going to skip that. So let's, um, let's talk about what Jesus, let's talk about this compassion he has. The way that I've endured this last six weeks is I've had to quote a lot of scripture. I've had to just start with, God, your word says, cast your burdens upon the Lord and he will sustain you. I've had to just start right there. Cast my burdens. God, your word says, come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I have just had to repeat scripture when I've been in the dark place. But as I read a couple scriptures from Hebrews last week, it just really blessed me. Hebrews 2.18, it says, and it's referring to Jesus, since he himself was tempted in that which he was suffered, he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. So Jesus suffered. But then Hebrews 4.14 says, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Verse 15, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. When I read that, I just broke down in tears because Jesus knew the train wreck I had been. And it doesn't say he judges us and says, get your act together. No, it says he understands our weaknesses. Why? For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet without sin. The things that you are struggling with right now, Jesus knows. He's been there. Jesus knows. And because he's been there, he doesn't judge you. He has compassion on you. He wants to help you. He cares. He knows how hard it is because he has been there. Now, it's hard to imagine all of that, but Scripture says it. The Bible says, for he faced all of the same testings. And then it just says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Hallelujah. We don't have to come ashamed of our weaknesses, ashamed of how we're dealing with the trial. It says, come boldly. And then it says what's going to happen when we're there so that we can find grace to help in the time of need. That's good news. Jesus understands you can go to him. You may not be handling your trial well. You may not be handling it well. You may have a lot of things that you're using to cope that aren't good for you. You may be speaking in a language that Jesus wouldn't necessarily approve of. You may be like Raymond from Everybody Loves Raymond. You may be like I've been to my husband. Jesus knows and understands he died for that sin. He died for that struggle. 
He died. He knows. He doesn't judge. You don't have to be ashamed. All you have to do is say, Jesus, just help me. (laughs) Jesus, I am failing COVID-19. Help me. Help me. He has compassion. And then he says in Matthew 28, excuse me, Matthew 8, 28, he just says, come. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I think in 2020, that's probably the majority of us. In some way, we are weary of this. We are burdened for family members and friends who are suffering from illness, who have lost loved ones. Charlie Pride, famous country singer, he died from complications of COVID. We're weary. We're burdened. But Jesus says, come and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And then Jesus tells us what he's like, for I am gentle and humble in heart. There's a safe place you can go where you'll receive grace and mercy, rest and help. You'll be loved and not judged because you have a Savior who's compassionate. In the trials, he says, come. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In conclusion, (laughs) I've learned not to say that until I'm at the very, very end. In conclusion, turn with me to James 1, 2. There were a lot of encouraging verses about perseverance and endurance and what it's doing in our life and why we need it. I chose two. James 1, 2. Blessed is a man who perseveres, who perseveres under trial. Blessed is the man who just hangs on. How's it going? Sometimes I've seen I'm surviving. I like that word now because in Spanish it means sobrevivir. It's like to live above, over life. Survive, right? Sobrevivir. I'm surviving. That means I'm, I'm, I'm overcoming. <laughs> I'm not giving in. I'm not giving up. I'm not fleeing. I'm not receding. I'm falling back. I'm just staying. I am surviving. I'm just holding on. I am trusting God to the best of my ability. But I'm not falling back. And I'm not giving up. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Why? For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. If you read the book of Revelation, there's a whole lot about those who persevere, those who endure, those who just hold on and don't give up, those who don't fall away, those who don't leave church because they're mad. Those who don't get offended and end godly friendships. Blessed is the one who perseveres. James, oh, go away. Excuse me. That's uh, at the very end. James 1.12. Yes, thank you. I think that reference should be on your handout. And then Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And then we have an exhortation. He tells us what to do. Every time it says, let us, that's called an exhortation. He's telling you what to do. Let us run. And then how? With endurance. 
Let us run with endurance. This, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's how you, that's how you survive. You just keep your eyes on Jesus. If Peter would have kept his eyes on Jesus and not the waves, he would have walked on the water. And I'm not judging Peter because I have not perfected myself in that. But that's how we survive. That's how we sobrevivir, how we live under, how we walk in peace and in truth and in love. And how we endure the trial and we can rejoice in it. It's no fun, but we can say, God, I thank you that in the midst you're making me like Jesus. We want to be made like Jesus. Why? So that Holy Spirit can come and rest on us. Because the whole purpose of this is for God to use us to bless the whole world. So just hold on. Just hold on. Hold on. Don't fall away. Don't give up. And if you're at that place of desperation, if you're in the middle of that dark night of the soul when just being here was your sacrifice, when just being here was all you could do, please come and get prayer from the ministry team. Because we, we don't want you to be alone in that. We want you to hold on. So let me close in prayer. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word and that today you had for us a word of encouragement. God, you wanted us to know that these trials are creating within us character. That creates endurance, perseverance. And it welcomes the Holy Spirit to come and rest on us so that you can use us. We want to be in fellowship with you, God. We want to be made like Jesus. And we want to be your hands and feet to touch a broken world. So God, I ask right now for each one here that your Holy Spirit would give them the ability to hold on, to endure, to not give up, to not recede, to not fall back, but to stay in place. Just to hold on, God, and trust you. We know that you are good. You've got a plan. You'll bring us through. And we thank you that there is treasure laid up for us in heaven. And we can fix our hope on that. Scripture says, Jesus, you, you yourself are our hope. So we trust you and we praise you. And we just rejoice in our trial, God. <laughs> we consider it all joy when we have fallen into trials because we know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. And that perseverance will make us perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.